Hello, everyone, and welcome to Canon Rent Sound of Play 160. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And today we are on another uh, one of our 10th episodes uh, where we do a another special show, a special Sound of Play, diving into the musical legacy of, of uh, one series in particular. And this week, we are looking at the Super Smash Brothers series, which might be kind of cheating because it draws so heavily from so many different series within and outside of Nintendo's history. But uh, we have a two-part Super Smash Bros. special. We're going to be releasing part one today, which takes us from the N64 game uh, kind of into the Wii's Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And we'll be in part two, exploring the uh, finishing off Brawl, moving into Wii U, and uh, maybe hitting some ultimate if there's anything out in the open at that point. But what what about the 3DS version, Ryan? What about the 3DS version? Come on, man. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We're not doing any of the Smash 4 as it is affectionately known in the community today. Let's start out on the N64. My name is Ryan Heyman, and joining me today, you've already heard Mr. Darren Gargett. Yeah, um, my name, you know, is, is Darren Smashette today because I'm just so excited to talk about <laughs> Smash Brothers. We do have a Kane and Rince uh, show about Smash Bros. And so this might be a little bit of a rehash, but just to quickly establish ourselves again, uh, how far back do you go with Smash Bros? Ooh, um, yeah, N64 American import because we were worried over here that it wasn't going to hit European shores. So I had an import modded N64 that could play both Japanese and uh, USA games. And I played this game in black and white for a few months on my CRT. And then someone managed to modify a SCART cable to have an RGB 60 to 50 hertz converter thingamabob that cost me about £100 to turn it into colour. So yeah, I was invested in playing this game in, in colour. I never owned an N64, but I played loads of Super Smash Bros. on my uh, neighbor's N64 just down the street. Mm -hmm. My opinion at the time is still my opinion now that like the first Smash Bros. is fine, but like the series really evolved, took a major step with Melee. And then since then, it's just been kind of like refining the formula. But I think, yeah, that that step in between Smash Bros. and Melee is a big one. And we're going to hear that musically as well. I think Melee is really where the series found its identity. Yeah, so if you want a more in-depth opinion of my game on the um, all the Smash Brothers games up to four, because we didn't cover four at the time, yeah, it's on it's on a it's on a Kane and Rince somewhere out there. Just type it in. Um, I don't know what number it is. I'm sorry. It's a Kane and Rince number one fifty four. There we go. I almost matched up the numbers, but not quite. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm I'm very positive on the series overall. Um, I I have put in hundreds of hours on each version. You know, I was introduced to new Nintendo characters despite being a massive fanboy because we didn't get the Metroid on the N64. You know, I didn't really play Super Metroid before this. It was only until after the Super Smash Brothers on the N64 that I went back and played it. So I, I'm guessing the series as a whole kind of does this throughout its legacy in that it introduces so many franchises to people who weren't even aware of so it's you know I, I can kind of see why developers are kind of clamoring to get their game crammed into smash brothers you know because it is kind of an advert for your game as well as you know a massive honor of course a lot of people were introduced to uh, the earthbound and mother characters for the first time mm -hmm. uh, very famously the fire emblem characters in the west picked up a lot of popularity through melee before fire emblem really took off as a series over here all throughout this series, and it's kind of picked up more and more as the series has gone on, 
the series has become like a museum of Nintendo, Mm -hmm. you know, with the trophy collection, which is introduced in Melee and uh, stickers and brawl and the music selection, which just runs hundreds and hundreds of songs Mm -hmm. deep. And it's just everything is just such like a loving tribute and a complete oral history, as it were, of Nintendo as a company. And those kind of in their immediate vicinity, uh, mostly Japanese games. There's not a lot of Western games represented. I had remarked on Twitter a while back that Diddy Kong is the only Western developed character in the entire Smash Bros. series. Maybe an exception with the uh, Star Fox crew since, uh, but I don't Mm. know if the characters were developed in Japan or whether they were developed in Europe. Uh, You know, the game was a collaboration between NCL and the European studio that took that project on. But uh, anyways, Diddy Kong is the only one that is verifiably a Western character. Let's dive right into the music. We've heard one track coming in and that was the intro track, which... I don't think is anything like musically spectacular unless you have the uh, memories attached to it, but it certainly is an interesting counterpoint to a lot of the intro tracks that will be coming later into the series. Yeah. Des, does this one uh, stick out to you in any way? It does, but only because we've heard it, well, I've heard it so many times, we as a collective <laughs> friendship yeah. back in the day, we heard it so many times. The, the Smash Brothers intros as a whole of kind of, I, I don't know, they're kind of a running joke for us in the fact that we always find our moments to, there's always a certain moment in these Smash Brothers intros, in the N64 version, for, um, for example, the bit where it kind of cuts their faces and it makes a jib, 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 like, mm-hmm. we've never liked that as a, you know, as a, as a, as a friendship back in the day. We always thought it was kind of a bit out of place and a bit, it's not quite in sync with the visuals and it just feels a bit out of mm. place. And we, we, every time that came on, we kind of mocked it as if like, Come on, what you've been like that just feels a bit lame and a bit weak, and you know it's a it's a shame to like pick out these little things. But as kind of teenagers, you do this thing just to get a laugh out your friend and just see who can do the most stupid faces to go in time with that music. And I know for the GameCube intro, there's a bit where Donkey Kong kind of slams his face against the camera, and it's just what Donkey Kong done in the intro. But when we first saw that, we just absolutely cracked up laughing. It doesn't really sound like N64 music. And I think that kind of goes through the mm-hmm. the whole kind of the original pieces in this game, which are few and far between. But like they don't really sound, I don't know, they, they sound different. You know, they don't have a, a typical Nintendo vibe about them. If you compare it to stuff like Super Mario 64 or, you know, you can even make the link to Banjo-Kazooie and stuff. Like they've all got kind of a Nintendo charm. But the, the intro to Smash Brothers just kind of sounds a bit off. Now, that first track I find to be fairly unmemorable from my time with the game. But this next track is like the song that I think of when I think of N64 Smash Bros. It's a really simple tune. It is the character select piece of music. Yeah, it's very simple. Just a few notes, uh, just kind of stabbing notes hitting every once in a while. But I might just be hearing things, but I think that they kept the same progression of notes and kind of hit it in the theme songs to some of the later Smash games, like uh, Wii U and 3DS. I think this progression of notes is hidden in the kind of the guiding melody of that piece of music and uh, maybe even in the the ultimate theme song. Mm. I'll have to listen to that again. Maybe I'm just hearing things, but uh, yeah, this is a piece of music that I remember very fondly. This is Character Select by Hirokazu Andu.
Now we're getting into pieces of music that are uh, representations of original pieces from the source games that a lot of uh, these were drawn from. This is a Metroid piece called Planet. Is it Zebes? Zebes is always how I pronounce it. Zebs, maybe. Yeah. I don't, uh, how do you say this? I honestly, don't know. To be um, well, yeah. Honestly, don't, I, I honestly don't know. Um, it's either Zebes or Zebes. I'm going to go with Zebes because I, I it just it's an easier word to say. So this piece of music is based on Metroid music, but it's a lot more upbeat, probably just to fit with the Smash Bros. aesthetic more than anything else. But it's a little disarming when you think of it as Metroid music and how lively and adventurous it is, whereas Metroid is typically a slower, more methodical experience. Yeah, it, it sounds kind of military, I guess. Um, it's kind of like a marching theme yeah. around it. And, and that kind of, like you say, it kind of runs through the core of Smash Brothers music and that there's a very decent pace to all of it. And I guess that's to match up mm-hmm. with the action on screen to the point where some people play Smash Brothers and go, what's going on? I can't tell what's going on because it's just chaos. And, you know, that's, that's always been a thing for Smash Brothers. Let's listen to that. Planet Zebes, arranged by Hirokazu Ando from Super Smash Bros. some Star Fox style music. Again, I don't really go that far back with the Star Fox series, but this is Sector Z. Star Fox is kind of one of the core characters of uh, Super Smash Bros. And his stages also tend to be appreciated by hardcore Smash Bros. fans. This particular level served both in this and the very similar Corneria level in Melee, served as kind of like a final destination, but just a little bit more interesting for players that were warming up to hardcore. It was a one of the ones that was in heavy rotation in all the Smash Bros, uh, not tournaments, but you know, just the play sessions that I went to. 
And I think it is just because it is kind of bare bones and there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of hazards. It's just kind of uh, mostly flat stage, but just a little bit more interesting to play than a final destination. So yeah, I remember hearing this music a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was kind of a big fan of Star Wing as we had it over on the SNES, uh, purely because it was mm-hmm. 3D visuals and it was kind of all exciting. And I was a big fan of Lilac Wars as, as we had it over here, the, the giant box with the rumble pack and... um on the surface of it, it's kind of, you know, a little bit, like say, bare bones maybe, a bit open and a bit uneventful. But there are kind of um, places where you will find yourself, like well, maybe a friend will Donkey Kong his way over to the cannon on the bottom of the ship there and then the cannon starts firing. And uh, also it, at the back of the wing, where kind of the, well, the fin, I should say, there's a very opportune moment there to get absolutely battered into like kind of a, um like a cycle of just punishment. It's ridiculous. I remember the people throwing Pokeballs down there mm. and... You could just get get caught in an endless loop, and that's kind of the beauty of Smash Brothers for me. Even yeah. when it feels unfair, it just looks so funny that you kind of give it a pass. I remember <laughs> playing Tekken Three, and people were Eddie Gordo in their way, you know, button mashing their way, and I just found it the most frustrating thing ever. But in Smash Brothers, I can't take. I know it is there to be taken seriously. Don't get me wrong, and I appreciate that people love Smash Brothers to that point. But for me, like when I just get caught in a loop, and it's just an absolute. Just, well, you see your percentage meter going up and you're just like, oh, this is going to end terribly. And you get pinged off the side of the screen. But that kind of slapstick is just exactly what I'm in for. <laughs> this stage definitely offers some crazier moments, despite looking quite, um, like, like you say, kind of Final Destination-esque, except it's got a ridge in the middle. But there are moments mm-hmm. where it can get a bit crazy. I don't know if it's this level or an updated version of this level where these ships come along and actually start shooting the stage as well. Yeah, I the, uh, I was just thinking about that myself. I don't remember whether it was this one or whether they introduced that in Melee. Yeah, see, and that's kind of the crazy thing about this series is that the more they bring back and the more they update, your kind of memory kind of gets a little bit hazy on exactly what, what goes on in these levels. And, but I, I, you know, I remember, I, I do remember some hazards going on at this point and you getting shot by things that, you know, weren't players and um, a good time all around. And who doesn't want to fight on the back of, you know, the, the grey fox? It's just absolutely huge.
So we're moving on now to the GameCube version. This is Super Smash Bros. Melee. Again, a huge step for the series, probably the biggest step that it's taken in all of its years. It kind of reinvented the tone of the series. It overhauled the visuals remarkably. It it significantly upped the number of characters. And uh, it was only two years after the original Super Smash Bros. that Melee came out, which is kind of incredible (laughs) to think about. But yeah, Melee is still a fan favorite and is quite a remarkable thing to look back on. Great game. And Mm. I think one of its uh, defining attributes is its new, more like self-serious tone Mm. in a way. It really kind of pumped up the epicness of what's happening instead of just like, hey, we're bashing a couple toys around together like the original one was kind of modeled after. That is communicated well in this, the new title theme. This is cutscene opening composed by Hirokazu Endo from Super Smash Bros. Melee. And it kind of, it plays under the intro video where many of the characters are introduced in this big flashy opening has a lot of musical kind of ups and downs and kind of takes you on a journey and just feels like a, like a real epic piece of music. music that we just heard played under the opening cutscene. the piece of music that we just heard like fits really well under the images Mm -hmm. um, but they also produced a version that plays in the menus just called menu that it kind of strips away a lot of the narrative from it and Hmm. just kind of presents you with a piece of music i don't really know how best to describe it but i mean this was your music while navigating the menus. Mm. Uh, you could change that music later on, but for all intents and purposes, like I heard this piece of music just hundreds and hundreds of times. So, mm. you know, this is what I think of when I think about Melee. So yeah, that opening s- sequence is such a great moment for the GameCube for me. Like it was so close to launch and I remember people moaning about it not being a launch game, but it was so close to launch that even nowadays, like you couldn't sniff at the how close it was to launch really. And just seeing it, that that piece of music we just you know the introduction it like you say it fits so well with the music and all the characters that are displayed on in this intro but you never hear it uh, maybe you hear a slight 
inkling or a little you know nudge towards the series that's going on in front of you like i feel like when sheik's playing the um the harp you know the, the music is you know yeah, the, right. the, the music's obviously in sync there but n- never does it really lean on the fact that you know a million yoshis are running on screen like with a bit of yoshi music in there it's all its own kind of music but it fits so well with everything that's going on i don't know how they've done it it's just it is kind of a stroke of genius because in my head like they've written this track first and they've put the mu- they put the visuals to it but it's just so clever, like the way even like at the start when it when it pauses for a split second and then it has the little Nintendo All Star Smash Brothers little logo pops in the corner, and then it bursts back onto the action and then like a little toy figure Mario is thrown onto the screen and he's doing a little punch in the air. It's just so well orchestrated. It's just powerful, man. Like that really gets you pumped up for it. Kind of more so than the N64's kind of finger clicking, you know, puppetry mastery kind of thing going on. This definitely is, you know, pushing the orchestrated nature of the music to its full extent and it, it wastes no time. And then, yeah, like, like you say, the, the menu music is stripped back. It takes the core elements of the tune, keeps it in the background, and it's kind of very low-key. So the, the introduction music is kind of like, in my head, it's the stage play. And then this is like the music that mm-hmm. would be played in the lobby, someone on like a little piano or something. <laughs> it's like the jazz version, you know? It's kind of like the, the laid-back kind yeah, of sure. smoky jazz bar version. It's just like just chilling out because they know you're going to be in the menus for quite a while. So let's listen to Menu from Super Smash Bros. Melee. about stage music there are two in particular that stand out to me and the first one is this piece of music i think it is very well recorded uh, but i think more than anything it stood out because it's just a very strong piece of music in general and it was really my first time ever encountering it because previous to this i hadn't ever played zelda 2 it was kind of you know i was very familiar with ocarina of time and link to the past and stuff but uh, Zelda 2 was kind of a mystery and so it was really interesting that they not only created a level that was based 
very clearly on Zelda 2, but also mm-hmm. uh, one of the adventure maps uh, was a little bit more Zelda 2-like in its representation of the Zelda series. This is the fantastic temple from uh, Zelda 2. It's reinvigorated into Smash Bros. instrumentation. It really bangs. I love this one. It's just magnificent. <laughs> yeah, it must be It must be such a thrill for Zelda enthusiasts at that time to hear this like fully orchestrated Zelda 2 track come into, into play and to see this level. Like I'm sure Zelda 2 had its fans. We covered it on the... Um, the main show was it the main show the other mm-hmm. show um you know that we did the zelda series and two i didn't enjoy as a game but there was one thing for sure that the music definitely was you know up there and it, you know i always find it an easy thing a kind of an easy get out when you say i didn't like the game but the music's good but in this in zelda 2's case i genuinely believe that having played melee first and then zelda 2 very recently in comparison this would always be a melee track to me you know first and foremost because that's where i heard it the most and it's a big track, it's a long track, and it kind of fits the, the vibe of the stage. I think at this point you hadn't really seen a stage this big. It, it has many layers, and you know you can get trapped in the bottom in the caves, or you can get pinged off to the side. Because the level's so big, it feels like the, the walls around you are closer to you, so the, there's always the more of a danger element when you're fighting on the outskirts of the map. But overall, yeah, it seems to be um, a, a fan favourite for sure.
to another Metroid-inspired piece. And uh, this one's interesting because whereas the previous Metroid track felt very discontinuous with the mood and tone of the series, this one definitely feels like a Metroid <laughs> Metroid track. This is Brinstar Depths. This is from one of my favorite levels from Melee, where uh, Kraid is in the background and you're on this kind of circular platform mm. and Kraid spins the, the whole level mm. around and you have to jump to other you know, parts of the platform to keep from falling into the lava below. It's a really interesting stage. I, I like the dynamic ones that don't feel random. You know, there are some where it feels like you just kind of randomly every once in a while die because the platform underneath you unexpectedly disappears. But I feel like this one's a good balance. It, it does something that the rest don't. You know, like you say, it does have a giant mm -hmm. Metroid boss in the background and he just totally just spins the level on his head. And yeah, you have to chase after the, um, you know, the center of gravity and make sure you don't fall off. There's like a little kind of se segregated platform away from it all that you can land on. But then if someone throws a Pokeball strategically on that bit, you know, it could, if it's not a Goldeen, it could knock you off. Brinstar Depths, arranged by Hirokazu Ando.
we're uh, moving into a much, much happier piece of music. This one I didn't like at first. It's just the banjo music in Yoshi's Island. But um, over time, it's really grown on me, and I appreciate it for its variety from the rest of the soundtrack. It, it really sounds like nothing else in Melee. I don't know, it's, it's upbeat, it's fun, and I think the banjo makes for so much more of an interesting instrument compared to, you know, the series became a lot more orchestrated going forward. You kind of don't notice how similar a lot of the pieces sound until there's something that's just completely different thrown at you. Hmm. Unfortunately, this is the closest that we've ever gotten to Banjo and Smash, <laughs> but uh, it'll have to do. Again, this is a piece that's very famous from Melee. This is Corneria, another Star Fox piece of music. Uh, this one just kicks right off. Uh, we actually use this in one of our Sound of Play, uh, I guess it was an April Fool's Day specials <laughs> a year or two back. I don't know what to say about this. I've listened to this piece of music so many times in the past that it feels a bit like a tattoo that you've grown out of. <laughs> You know, I don't dislike it. It's just like, I, I just know it backwards and forwards. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Kraken. That is the Cornelius stage, which uh, is a very popular competitive stage back in the melee circuits. If you aren't playing in Final Destination, you're likely playing competitively on Corneria and trying to get down to uh, stand on the guns in the front of the ship, which is kind of difficult to do, but uh, it's a good way to show off for your friends. <laughs> um, so this Corneria stage, it's very similar to the other stage on the N64, right? And that it's a it's great fox flying yes. through the sky. This is probably the one that I remember most. And this is the one where the ships are shoot you and, you know, you do you do stand on the gun and you can get caught in the little thing. So, it's, you know, it is very similar in terms of gameplay as, as the N64 stage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is where the variety come in for me. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I said it all before in the N64, but I actually kind of meant it for this one. This is where it really, you know, it really took off. Um, it, it's refreshing to see this stage in the daytime and you see all kind of like Corneria City behind it as well. I think it feels so much cooler to feel like you're uh, like the, the ship is moving instead of just floating in yeah. a stationary position in space mm. it just makes it feel that much more epic and dangerous yeah i mean it kind of goes through various stages doesn't it like there's like green hill or like mountain yeah. kind of there's there's one of them that goes through like a tunnel at some point and I, I seem to remember and it kind of being a bit tricky to fight in the track before this um the butter uh sorry no the yoshi's island one that's also from super mario world isn't it which is butter bridge but this is like a banjo version i absolutely love that track not to go back too far but like that was a ringtone at one point for me like i just love i love <laughs> the pace of that track and to, i was playing super mario world the other day uh yesterday with my little one now she's two she's you know she knows all the mario characters Wario is called Yellow Hat and Luigi's called EG and Yoshi. Yeah, so we, we, we're slowly getting there. And yeah, this track came on because we've just got past Vanilla Dome and Butter Bridge was there. And it's just like that Banjo Yoshi's Island track in Smash Brothers Melee is on par with the snow slide in Super Mario 64. And every time I hear them, I get that kind of anxiety that ringtones give you because you don't want to talk to people ever. And you're like, oh God, oh, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's just that bit of music. It's not my phone ringing. And this next piece of music is probably the like definitive stage music from Super Smash Bros. Like this one was used in a lot of the promotional materials before Melee came out and continues to be one of the like go-to songs in future Smash Bros. games. It's a clear fan favorite. And I think just because it's just a really, really good arrangement of, a, I mean, a good song already, but this arrangement just really kicks it up a notch uh, this is mute city originally from the f-zero series but yeah here played with the the blazing guitars and everything it's just it's cool it's powerful but not like a shredding guitar solos not not like fast or anything it's just like each note hits like a truck though and i just i i love this one it still gets me pumped up yeah if you compare this version to you know, the Sega F-Zero GX Mute that The F-Zero GX Mute is good, but it's kind of, it is more, it's just more, it like it kind of starts off with like these kind of computery synthy bleeps and blops and it kind of kicks into a more frantic song. Whereas this one, it's so fast paced in Smash Brothers Melee and it's even more fast paced than most of the other Melee tracks, to be honest. But um, and that's because F-Zero is, you know, literally a thousand miles an hour game. It's kind of also simple at the same time. It never really goes absolutely bonkers because it doesn't need to because its core track and its core theme of, you know, of Mute City in this game is is bonkers enough. It's quite interesting listening to the melee arrangements versus the kind of the GameCube equivalent in their other games because, you know, the, people have different takes on, you know, their style of music. And Smash Brothers always, even though it's got every track in the world ever, 
it always feels kind of fast paced but also like restrained in some ways it never really goes absolutely over the top and this is a prime example of if you compare this Mute City in Smash Brothers Melee versus F-Zero GX's Mute City there is a big difference but also you know obviously the core track is there I've always argued that Captain Falcon is kind of the centerpiece character of the entire Smash Bros. series, mm. uh, which not just because he's my main. He's very good. But I, yeah, he, he's very good. But I also feel like every other character is better known for the game that they came mm. from. Whereas Captain Falcon, maybe it's just because he's not on screen during his games. Maybe it's just because there's not that many F-Zero games where they're not that popular. But, you know, I feel like if you saw a picture of Mario, then you could be like, oh, this could come from 100 games. If you saw a picture of Captain Falcon, you start thinking Smash Bros immediately. Mm. You know, he has that like crazy over the top colorful outfit and the the over the top personality that fits the series so well that, you know, I really feel like if the series had one mascot, like he would be the spirit of the series. The fact that you're playing on a stage that flies on a platform, a platform that flies around the track that's based on an N64 stage, that's just that's just genius. Like, not only is it kind of mm-hmm. fun to play, like you land down and it goes beep, 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 and all these cars go whizzing past. It's all, you know, all 30 cars are, that are based on the, um, on, the, on the N64 game, you know, and the potential to hit you is funny and it's all kind of, the, but it's just, it's just kind of subtle advertising for the series. And it's a shame to see it kind of go away because like you say, Captain Falcon is... Oh, that you know that that flying knee is absolutely devastating, and when you when you get caught by it, yeah, it is. It, yeah, you're right. He, he is one of the pinnacle kind of standout characters for Smash Brothers because and just the Falcon Punch, oh. like you you hear somebody warming it up, and you see your character flying towards it, and you know like either this is going to be a near miss or the round is over.
moving now to a piece of music that does definitely bring up some anxiety for me. Uh, I don't know if this is because the battles that took place on this particular stage were more high stakes and more difficult mm. than a lot of the other battles, but uh, this is the Final Destination theme from Super Smash Bros. Melee. Again, a favorite among the competitive circles. I feel like the Final Destination stage in Melee isn't much to look at, and so it makes competitive Melee just seem a little bit less interesting than future iterations, especially in Wii U uh, and 3DS and Ultimate, in which every stage has an Omega form, mm. a Final Destination form, which was a, a great improvement mm. to the game for competitive players and for players who uh, who blitzed through the story mode and classic modes and uh, resulted in those master hand battles and crazy hand fights. This was a uh, very frequently heard piece of music.
into some of the ancillary modes now. Uh, we have the theme song from the Break the Targets mode. I like this because it's uh, it feels a little ragtimey in a way, mm. uh, almost like a solo piano piece. That's just uh, yeah, real upbeat, real fun. It does bring back that anxiety because <laughs> Break the Targets was very difficult. <laughs> Were, were you obsessed with Break the Targets back in the day? I was with the characters that I was, you know, that I was good with. It's, um, I know that sounds mm-hmm. obvious to say, but yeah, I, I did like how Break the Targets felt like an amusement ride or an amusement arcade game, you know? Yeah, it's, right. And that's kind of the music kind of fits it as well. It kind of feels like you have to step into a carnival and the, the, the gameplay matches that and that it doesn't feel like the game itself because it's not a platform game. The, the platform is just a bit wonky. And, you know, but it's all based around you absolutely maximizing your character's ability to hit all these targets. And that's where you learn, you know, the minutiae of how this character works. So like Mario, for example, I remember the last target you have to get is based on the uppercut, the up B, you know, the the kind of coin blinging uppercut. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, when you do your up B with most characters, um, you're left in like a vulnerable state in which you're flashing and you can't do any moves until you hit the floor. So with this, you know, in this particular break, the targets with Mario, who is one of my favorite, yeah, you have to uppercut this last target with the up B because if you do it, say out on the 14th one out of 15, you're going to fall into the, into a, you know, an endless pit of despair and you'll lose. So yeah, it, it, the break, the targets is a good training mode. Yeah. And like I say, the amusement carnivalish music definitely fits the off kilter nature of the gameplay. This is targets from Super Smash Bros. Melee. favorite tracks uh this was i believe an interpretation of a kirby song from uh kirby superstar i believe uh or one of the uh maybe one of the mini games that was included in kirby superstar i don't remember exactly Mm. this is called all-star mode and it is the rest area in between some of the all-star mode fights and it's just a very uh soothing um relaxing piece of music in between the fights where you're just supposed to kind of take some time to breathe. Yeah, so I'm doing some quick internet research and apparently it's a remix of Kirby Superstar Arena uh where there's rest points. So there's the link there. Yeah, there um, you go. In fact, yeah, I haven't played I don't really play many Kirby games. Um maybe I should. Um I've played a couple for Kane and Rinse. 
the link between how Labs and this game and Kirby are very, very obvious and I think everyone knows it. But yeah, it's good to know that they can drop in like tunes like this that fans of the series will, will know. But then people like us like actually just appreciate it for just being a really nice piece of music and it, it fits the theme mm-hmm. of Have a Rest because it's all very just kind of like heavenly. It's all kind of piano and airy and yeah, it's just a nice little respite from All-Star Mode, which... Yeah, I yeah, I struggle with that mode because it's just relentless, isn't it? into Super Smash Bros. Brawl. There is a video uh, on YouTube from 8-Bit Music Theory, how Super Smash Bros. music sets a tone for the series, which was published as we were actually preparing for The Sound of Play, so very appropriate timing there. In that, 8-Bit Music Theory goes through each of the theme songs from Super Smash Bros. and kind of details the ways that they evolve and differ from one to another and the way that they kind of represent the game that they are attached to and i think that this piece of music it feels a little bit too epic and a little bit too self-serious for what it is you know it doesn't feel as bouncy and fun as uh melee or any of the theme songs going forward It, it like a real deviation from the course it's a beautiful piece of music but it's not really something that makes me want to fight as much as it makes me want to like, I don't know, maybe go on a Zelda adventure. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's very, very dramatic. And it kind of, like, like you say, it doesn't suit mm-hmm. the, the other two games uh, theme of toys fighting. Like, you know, the, the N64 intro has the Puppet Master thing and the GameCube one has the little toys to life, kind of Amiibo style figures coming to life. Whereas here <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like a selection of, you know, snippets of video like, like, like the GameCube one, but yeah, it doesn't really fit, you know. Um, the music is absolutely outstanding, though. Like, it is just like uh, I, I can't do music criticism very well, but mm-hmm. like, as an, it feels very operatic, you know. Like, obviously, the the the, the singing over yeah. the top of it. It is led by voices in this case. Oftentimes, voices would be used to kind of punctuate things in other theme songs, but this one is primarily a choir piece. Uh, this is composed by no, Nobuo Uematsu. Mm a very famous composer uh, who they brought in to write the theme song. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting and unlike anything else in the series, but again, I'm just not quite sure it fits. (laughs) Yeah. You know, where is the GameCube intro? The music fits the on-screen visuals, you know, uh, like we said here, it kind of doesn't and that, but that doesn't stop it from being, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, an absolute joy on the ears. 
it just doesn't feel very Nintendo. It does feel more, like you say, more Final Fantasy, I guess, like a boss fight for Final Fantasy or something kind of a bit more self-serious. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's good to have it. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear it again in Smash Ultimate. I'd like to hear, you know, how Smash Brothers games are. You, you do have that kind of urge, that yearn to hear every single thing all under one roof. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'd like to hear it return, but maybe in a more appropriate fashion, like in a boss fight in Smash Brothers. This next track is a stage track from Super Smash Bros. Brawl. This is a reference to a game that came out before Super Smash Bros. Melee, actually, uh, but it didn't get its own stage until Brawl, and I'm really glad that it did. I think the stage itself is a little weird. It's not brilliant. Uh, I think the uh, this is Luigi's Mansion. I think the way that the mansion kind of crumbles and rebuilds itself is a little bit, it's a little odd. Yeah, overall, it's a really nice piece of music. I love especially when it kicks in with those uh, with that organ chord that uh, just really hits hard. I, I love that a lot. Um, yeah, and uh, it, it it again feels like a heightening of the Luigi's Mansion music. Like it's just made that much more epic and uh, profound. Yeah, I, I love the Luigi's Mansion theme tune. And then to hear it in this kind of version just makes it even more, well, just like we spoke about with the introduction and in that it's a kind of a lot more elaborate. The GameCube game, Luigi's Mansion, has, you know, kind of a simpler approach to it. And that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but Smash Brothers kind of just takes it and runs with it. And it's got the, um yeah, like everything about it is just absolutely over the top. And that's kind of why I love it so much. It's um brilliant. I just love the bit in the middle where kind of the kind of the, the kind of a choir kind of voices singing in the background 
as opposed to Luigi whistling mm. over it. Yeah, it's um brilliant. <laughs> like, like you said, the stage isn't that exciting to me. It has its moments of like intentionally trying to break down the stage to make things happen. Like if you put a proximity mine on a bit above and you know you want to smash the stage down so it kind of causes a bit of a havoc. Yeah, it's, it's not the best stage, but it's kind of this track makes up for it for definitely. Yes, this is Luigi's Mansion theme arranged by Kazumi Tataka. <laughs> Moving now into a piece of music from a Yoshi Touch and Go. Not a game that I've ever played, but uh, it's a fun piece of music in Smash Bros. This is called Flower Field. It's like frolicking through a field of flowers in a way. Mm. Uh, I guess that's where the name must come from. But it's, uh, yeah, it's real light steps and uh, upbeat, fun. Um, yeah, just uh, there to put a smile on your face more than anything else.
another arrangement by Hirokazu Endo. This is called Checker Nights, originally from Kirby Air Ride. I like this one. It feels very grandiose and bombastic. I'll admit, as I was going through the Smash Bros. music, I listened to all the music in the series again to put together the playlist for these two specials. And uh, after a little while, Smash Bros. music gets a little exhausting. <laughs> You know, mm. it's just all so bombastic and so upbeat that like you get like physically tired listening <laughs> to it for too long. Yeah, I think this piece of music, it starts out really bombastic, but mm. it settles into a really cool groove, I think. It reminds me of a Grant Kirkhope piece, if I'm being honest. That it, yeah. it has that kind of melody to it. It kind of goes all over the place, but remaining kind of aesthetically the same throughout it's yeah it definitely reminds me of a, a modern day you know more like a mario and rabbits kind of track um yeah it's really good and the thing i like about these two tracks we've just heard is that um, smash brothers and you know the, the developers behind it aren't afraid to put in obscure tracks to you know have little wink and nods mm-hmm. towards games that people might not be aware of and it doesn't matter that the fact that people might not have played yoshi's touch and go but that, that you know that track deserves to be in more places and you know the fact that millions of copies of smash brothers for the wii got sold and good more people heard flower field by you know yoshi's touch and go um well not by that game but you know in that game and same goes for checker night i've never heard of checker night before and i've never heard you know where it come from because it's kind of related to kirby series i'm not overly familiar with but yeah the fact that they can throw these tracks in there and they impress you. And yeah, again, it all leads back to, oh, I don't know that. Let's check it out. And then you kind of invest a little bit more effort into, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the the series that you're um that you've just heard. It's very clever. It's very clever how they how they um manipulate your mind, man. <laughs>
next track is also called Corneria, but it's very different from the previous Corneria track that we heard. This is based on uh, some of the music from the original Star Fox, I believe. But again, it's just, I like how true it stays to the original instrumentation in the beginning of the Mm. track, but then it just really kind of kicks up a notch into something that would have been impossible in the original hardware uh, when the melody really kicks in. I I like it a lot. It reminds me of dancing dancing stage euro mix or dance dance revolution or something like if you yeah. could do your line dancing to a star fox track this is what you'd be line dancing to and uh, i don't really have a lot of fondness for it because i feel like it's kind of euro pop over my favorite star fox but that's <laughs> kind of why i like it at the same time they've got the audacity to just go you know what let's go full-on euro pop with this nonsense and just go crazy yeah um Yeah, an interesting one, but not one that I seek out to listen to on my own time. Okay, fair enough. This is Corneria. arranged by Hajime Hurasawa from Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I have a couple of tracks left today. What we have right now, this is called Dialga Palkia Battle at Spear Pillar. 
This is from uh, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, uh, which is uh, Generation 4 for Pokemon fans. You know, like I've said in the past, I tend to like Pokemon music in isolation, but when I'm playing the games, the music often doesn't really stand out to me, unless it's like something that's completely out of the ordinary. I do tend to like remixes and reinterpretations of Pokemon music. Pretty much anything in Smash Bros. that's led by a grand piano is a favorite of mine, and I think the piano is used really well here. It gives layers to the music. Um, You know, it has the light and airy piano over the heavier orchestra Mm. uh, score that's going on underneath. I I like this one. Yeah, Pokemon battle music, Pokemon the series for me isn't uh, an overly familiar one. I don't remember hearing this in the game, and I don't really remember, you know, hearing it in the other versions of the game because I haven't played them. But, you know, that doesn't stop it from being a, you know, a great fit for the series. It has the pace, it has the bombast and, you know, it, you know, it definitely fits in. And yeah, uh, another prime example of maybe I should check out some more Pokemon music or at least go into the piles and piles of digital menus to seek out some more and uh, have a little listen. Yeah. This is a great stage as well. I really like how the uh, Palkia and Dialga are the legendary Pokemon mm. from um, Generation 4. And they are supposed to represent kind of like gods of space and time, respectively. And I really like how they incorporate that into the stage design as like stage hazards in a way. Mm. I I think it's Palkia flips the stage upside down a lot like you would see uh, in uh, the Kraid stage. We mentioned earlier Brinstar Deaths from Melee. But instead of you having to scramble to get onto uh, what was the bottom of the stage before, Everyone just has to fight upside down with their controls reversed, and it's just nuts. It's uh, absolutely crazy, but it's a lot of fun. You can get a Pokemon, um, I don't know which one it is, but one of them smashes a giant hole in the middle or tilts the level kind of 45 degrees left or right. These Pokemon stages, whenever they add a new one, I'm always eager to see how they mess with the formula. There's one that kind of has water flowing through it and pushes you around. Um, the classic Pokemon mm-hmm. Stadium stage where you you know you have more Pokeballs than than you normally should have, and the big screen in the background. And yeah, I do like the Pokemon stages and Pokemon and the Pokeballs and the assist trophies and stuff. They're kind of what I remember Smash Brothers most for, you know, because they they fit in so well. I've got a lot of fondness for the Pokeballs and, you know, because there's such a rush for them, you know, like as soon as you see one on the stage, like everyone rushes for them because it's going to be a free little ally. So the same as the assist trophies, like, the, the red shells, and the green shells and stuff, they're all, they're all good and fine and fit in the series. But yeah, Pokemon for me, as I'm not an overly big fan of this, the franchise. When it comes to Smash Brothers, I'm all about it. Like it's kind of why it's kind of my main, my main draw. Like if I see a stage, like we're going to play that one more often than not, because I just mm-hmm. like to see the craziness that goes on. And now they've got like a, I don't know how many Pokemon they got now. I'm going to say over two thousand. I don't know. I'm guessing there's. I'm guessing there's a lot. I think it's uh, just over eight hundred at this God, point. Even then, Jesus, like that's a lot. That's a lot of Pokemon <laughs> to draw from, and just the sheer amount of variety they, yeah. they've got just makes you really curious about to, as you know as to what's going to happen. And this is a prime example of I don't know who these Pokemon are because they're not Gen One, and that was kind of my target demographic at that time i was you know that but to see like all these crazy new pokemon do crazy new things yeah um yeah again it kind of makes me interested in the series but not that much because i haven't played a pokemon in ages
We have one track to listen to again today, but before we do that, we'd like to remind everyone to go over to canonrinse.com slash forum or tweet us at canonrinse where you can request tracks for future regular sounds of play. We will return with the second half of the Super Smash Bros. music, not necessarily in uh, Sound of Play 170, which would be the next 10, because I believe that one falls on uh, Halloween, and oh. things tend to, you know, we we do really good recordings every Halloween, and then somehow they get lost and overwritten by some nonsense, and so, you know, this year, we're not even going to bother, it's just going to be, uh, we're just going to let the cards fall, fall where they will, because, yeah, just... Strange things happen around the Sound of Play studio mm. at that time. I think in 180, that will be kind of around the time that Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is coming out. And so I think it'll be an appropriate time to wrap up the Smash Bros. series on Sound of Play with the uh, second half of finishing out Brawl, moving into Wii U and 3DS, and potentially getting into some Ultimate music. We'll see. But we have one track to listen to left today. And uh, this one is kind of circling back to a piece of music that we have heard earlier, but this one's very different. Maybe it speaks to the uh, difference in in tone between Melee and Brawl. It's another very cool interpretation of the Mute City music from F-Zero. This is uh, a lot more, well, it starts off very reserved. It does eventually kick up into another blazing guitar song, but, you know, it it just feels so much different because uh, the piano kind of leads the intro and underlies the rest of the the music. And it, um, I don't know, just, it feels that much more reserved, but it's still really cool. <laughs> yeah. It feels more what I, in my head um, would determine like J rock, if you know what I mean, it kind of feels more, yeah, very riffy, you know, that, that guitar is very kind of, there's a game on the PlayStation 1 called Guitar Freaks and the, the sound that comes out from the Japanese created tracks on there remind me of this version of Mute City, you know, like that kind of, that wail of the guitar. But it's got its own vibe to it. So it's got its own style to it and it, I can only associate it with kind of Japanese guitar music and I haven't got a lot of experience with that genre, but playing a lot of Guitar Freaks back on the PS1, which was kind of the precursor to Guitar Hero. Um, yeah, it definitely gives me those vibes. And uh, yeah, I like it. It's not it's not my favourite Mute City, but it's Mute City. So it is kind of, it's up there with my favourites. Um, yeah, it, Brawl's a weird one, isn't it? Like, it's, it's still a really good game, but if you do look at it too much, you can see kind of why it's not as good as the other ones. And yeah, the, the, the tone of the music mm. does kind of reflect that as well. And it, it's strange how I hadn't noticed it until now. Like, if you do look at the the music that's going on in Brawl or listen to it more does suit the tone of the game which is a kind of a more grittier slower um yeah Yeah. kind of a more serious game yeah it's um it's an interesting thing to to um yeah come to terms to really so now about this piece of music it kicks up into a really sweet guitar solo about halfway through which i like a lot it feels very like Tornado of Souls by Megadeth type of guitar solo, which is not what I would be expecting from Smash Bros. But uh, yeah, I'm all for that. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, Anyways, that will do it for us this week. We will catch you with some more Smash Bros. music, some more modern Smash Bros. music, especially in another uh, 20 Sounds of Plays or so. Uh, We'll see you then. (laughs) 